Hey, it's Bill Simmons. Did you know I've had my podcast for 15 years? Do you know that it is the most downloaded sports podcast of all time? Did you know I have guests from the sports world, from the culture world, people who work for The Ringer, people outside The Ringer, celebrities, experts, you name it. It's on my podcast three times a week, late Sunday night, late Tuesday night, late Thursday night, the Bill Simmons podcast. Check it out on Spotify. This episode is brought to you by UGG. Y'all know UGG is a brand that athletes wear all the time in the tunnel and on travel days. Well, I bet you think UGG season is only during the colder months of the year. Oh, contraire. You're wrong. You need to check out the latest spring drop from UGG. They have everything from sandals to clogs. I like the sandals. UGG has you covered for your next spring adventure. Shop the Golden Collection at UGG.com. There's a lot that could impress you about the all-new Honda Prologue EV. True, it's got class-leading passenger space and clean, thoughtful design and intuitive technology. But what really sets the Prologue apart from the competition is that it's more than an EV. It's a Honda. Honda, the power of dreams. Visit honda.com slash prologue to learn more. Bro, man, how can you be making tea now, bro? Man's trying to do the recording. Hi everyone, welcome to Rise House on Ringer FC. Hope you are all safe and well. Today, we're going to talk about the Merseyside derby, Arsenal versus Manchester United, and some other Premier League results, plus a little bit about the WSL, and Real Betis winning the Copa del Rey. And my guests are Mr. Kwonga and Mr. Carl Anka. Yo, Carl Anka, I haven't seen you for a while. I love Moose, but wow. My brother's it's back. It's been a minute. My How are we doing? Yeah, good, good. Really good, Carlos. My brother, yes, really good. Moose, you good? You're very well indeed. Listen, all cylinders <laughs> on all cylinders. <laughs> <laughs> it's been, it's been. I got to say, it's been an f- unbelievable, unbelievable week. And um, I got to say, I went to Liverpool yesterday. And you know what was beautiful about going to Liverpool um, and going to a game, just a normal game. I've not rolled up on a game like that. Wow. I don't know. I don't know because I was able to to go. And the crowd, was, the crowd was already formed. They were at the stall. You could see them there. And when you walked to Liverpool, you had to walk through the crowd. It was so vibrant and so amazing. Incredible. Just to be able to do that again. And the Liverpool hospitality, bro. Jesus Christ. It's a massive club. And obviously it's gone all, it's very corporate and everything what they're doing is all, but it's still intimate and brilliant and lovely. You know, in that little, like, in, in, the, in the hospitality room, what they had, the people were so real. Mm. And I was in there with Meat, Meatball Molly, bro. <laughs> Meatball Molly's a massive, massive Everton fan, bro. No one could deal with that smoke on that. No one. I think, you know what it was? They were all kind of scared of her, bro. <laughs> no, she would shout it. out her stuff. They would say stuff about Liverpool. She would start, like when people were singing stuff, she would stand up and like say, you better not sing that. Amazing. You better not sing that. <laughs> but like, it was, it was, um, it was at a, I just, I loved it. I loved, I loved the occasion. I, I love going there because I've got an affinity with that, with that club simply because when I was younger, my brothers and all the older guys supported mm. Liverpool, watched a lot of Liverpool um, cop stuff when they played European football, Shankly. And so going there, like I mentioned, when I first had time, I went there, lost 9-0. But going there in that vibe, in this current climate, yeah. guys, was, it's just brilliant. It's fantastic. They're enjoying it. They're, it's, I know obviously everyone talks about, you know, Anfield and special European nights, but there is something different to that club on certain evenings, you know, and I, I often think about, there's a great series of quotes from Sir Bobby Robson where he describes what a football club is. And he says, ultimately, mm-hmm. a football club is like a, a shared collection of memories. And mm-hmm. there are certain cities where you can see they can go to the well a lot more and be like, look, here's all of our amazing memories. I'm going to play them all mm. at this like, am- amazing time. And I think, Liverpool's really good at that. Uh, I know Manchester can be really good at that. There's a guy who like, rides around on a bicycle in Manchester holding a boombox, and we just call him Boombox Barry. And he's like <laughs> the constant spirit of Manchester, just reminding you of its history all the time. Uh, I think Liverpool's also, you know, Liverpool's a great city that always remembers. 
And I think Anfield's just good for that sort of stuff. And that's why that derby yes. is... Do you know what's funny it's about this, this this derby? The energy around it, obviously, it going different. into it always is incredible. And it, it's one of those games which meant so much, right? The game meant everything. Well, obviously, Liverpool 2, Everton nil, it ended up. But mm. Everton did their absolute best to absolutely stifle the atmosphere mm-hmm. in this. Oh and and I have to say, they went, they went to a level. <laughs> I'm not sure I've seen an English football club, with the exception of Jose with the exception... Actually, Jose Mourinho is Chelsea when they went to Liverpool that time time. and got the 2-0. That's the only other time I've seen Yeah, that's pretty much it. No coincidence, it's Anfield, of course, Carl. No coincidence. But it's the only other time I've seen a team go with that Mm. level of not just energy, but execution. And I'm not even even criticising it that much Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. because I kind of see what Everton felt they had to do. But I also think that when you do a thing like that, you need to have slightly more ideas. Absolutely you bang on. You need to have a backup. Absolutely button, bang on because all the shit house was going on and it was. You know, Richarlison, I have to say with Richarlison, that's his game. He's going down, he's, he's frustrating, he's doing that stuff anyway. But yesterday, whether Frank told him to do it more, to wind him up more, I don't know. Whether he told Jordan Pickford to make sure that you continually get the ball, fall down, take as much time as you want. Mm. Just to, because what they needed to do, right? And, and it was really interesting because at one stage, Everton fans started singing, mm. where's your famous atmosphere, right? So I think, I think that that was something what they genuinely were trying to do. They were trying to take away everything mm-hmm. from the Liverpool atmosphere. You know, because I have to say, Richarlison, the referees and stuff at some stage, they're going to have to try and say, right, what are we going to do about this? Because this, he's okay. He's going down in, in a way where sometimes you think, is he genuinely hurt? Is he injured? And up to this point, from the time I've watched him, Moose, he never is. Now, I don't think it's just because it was Everton yesterday in Liverpool and there was more intensity on it and watching it was more frustrating. But in that scenario, and in mm. that setting, it was working because the people around us, even where we were sitting, the people around, you could feel it. You could see the anger because you could just look down the side there and the venom and the vociferousness in which people were shouting down at this guy. Oh, it was like, they were, it was happening. Now, the problem that they had is that they had no, they had no sharp end mm-hmm. with the pace of Richarlison, mm. the pace of Gordon, which was unbelievable yesterday. You know, the pace of Damare Gray. I'm thinking to myself, why didn't they, if the, the, if the plan was to frustrate and stifle, which they'd done very, very mm-hmm. well in the first half, there was no spaces. There was hardly any spaces, no spaces to run into, nothing. Then what was the plan once you did get the ball? Now, yes, this is the most damning indictment on a coaching perspective because Lampard has played in a team that's done this. Barcelona, when Chelsea knocked out Barcelona um, on the run to the final, Lampard played a switch, right, in behind Dani Alves and it was the opening goal for Drogba and that was the vital goal. And that game was, that, that thing was practiced religiously. The switch was practiced. Everyone knows that Dani Alves likes to come high mm-hmm. as a fullback. And this is credit to Trent, right? Because mm. ever since, so ever since a large chunk of football Twitter decided once and for all that Trent could not defend, his defending in crucial games mm. has been outstanding and there was not space behind him. So his recovery runs, the space they were probably looking for behind him in particular, because Robertson is the fullback, you won't really expose because he's up and down, you know, he's doing his job. Defensively, he's been solid mm-hmm. for the last few years. Mm-hmm. You can name probably his bad games on, I mean, what, on two, three fi- on, on two, three on two, fingers. On two fingers. Right, exactly. Max, Thank you. Yes, three fingers yeah. max. Two, yeah. Whereas Trent, there's a conversation about whether he gets some down. He left no spaces. So there was no room for the switch and also the quick pass for the middle wasn't there. And I'm, I'm thinking to myself here, there's a lack of confidence by Lampard, right? Because his ball players were not, Alan no. and Iwobi are good enough to pick passes, right? But they were not empowered to pick out those passes. And we know that Lampard empowers his players because Pickford was empowered for time-wasting. That man came up to poop the party, right? <laughs> but his ball players, it wasn't like, you didn't, at no point did I get the impression that Lampard was like, okay, we're going to absorb pressure and then that's going to be the channel. Bang, inside left, yes. inside right, gone. I got no sense from his tactics. That was everything that he had practised. You know something, Moose? Moose, um, mm. it didn't look like it. And if he did, then they didn't execute it because I believe if Richarlison puts the energy into being available yes. to whether Allen or Decore mm-hmm. or Wobi or whoever it is, there's a way of playing that kind of centre-forward role away from home where you can frustrate and do that yes. stuff without being so antagonising and so petulant with what yeah. he was doing and falling over and there's nothing wrong. 
that's what I think the focus should have been on. Yes. You know, the focus should have more been not on Jordan Pickford getting the ball and getting it on the right-hand side of the goal and then walking slowly over to the left-hand side, taking his time when he caught it, <laughs> fall to the ground, put it down, take so long to kick it. They should have made that happen with Richarlison. <laughs> he should have been the focal point of the... The shit but then, but they're not, the they're not time because wasting. they're not built for this. They're not built for this. Oh, mm. we can turn up. You can't be athletic. <laughs> Listen, you can't watch. Do you know what? It's like saying, it's like watching uh, a bare knuckle fight on TV and think you can go and be the Warriors. You can't be the Warriors. Mm -hmm. You have wow. to come out and play. You have to go out and play. You have to actually have a bare knuckle fight. And these people, you can't suddenly transfer them from the school of science into atleti in two games. I've got to say though. Two, come on. Yeah, the, the start of the game. The start of the game, Trent, well, did you, 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 the Trent was very nervy at the start of mm. that game. You know, I don't know if it's because obviously he's from the end, yeah, but yeah, he was yeah. very nervous. Passes, he weren't mm. great. It weren't great. I was thinking, wow, let's see what's happening. Same with Thiago, didn't have the space to, to work in. You see Jota, and what was really brilliant about being able to watch it from that vantage point is watching the movement and the lack of space that Everton gave them to try and move into. So every pass that went into the last third, was contested. Alan was there. Decore was there. Did you yes, see Decore? Oh Al Gnarly and think Decore was he got really vexed. You know, got really vexed. He's you know, great. He's, it was like it was they needed that. that. It's the same as when I watched it. <laughs> nice fingers go. <laughs> <laughs> the same as when I watched it. Just <laughs> yeah, almost just there. So close. It's the just same like, as like yeah, but Moose, you know, you say that um, they haven't. Frank hasn't got that. I don't know that the, the, the acumen, whatever it is, to to see that fruit. It's the same thing. Uh, at Palace in the Cup. Yes. They the started release. in a yes. way. Yes. And I'm thinking they need to mm. build on this because at home, at Everton, they've definitely got something, especially with, they've got to try and find it with Damari Gray. They do, they do because Gordon's got it. Gordon's got it. They've got to find it with Damari Gray. With that kind of pace with him and Damari Gray, they've got to find the release. They've got it at home, but away from home, if they could find it, especially with those two players, and let the dogs of war go to war. Like you see, Decore's capable of it. Allen's capable of it. All of them, even Seamus, Seamus, Seamus Coleman was doing his stuff. They're all capable of it. But then, like against Palace, something happens and it kind of falls apart. The thing I'll say about Klopp in this game, uh, I actually thought Thiago, Thiago was my favourite player on the pitch, to be honest. I thought he was extraordinary. But yes, what I'll say about this yes. was Klopp, I think, almost anticipated this is how Everton were going to come out just from the team that he set up with and knowing that he had the subs that he had waiting, particularly Luis Diaz. Like, so when he came on against oh, those gosh. tiring legs, I know it's the cliche, but I think that's a more effective substitution in a game like that where you can stretch the game. And I think he was almost like, okay, bring them on, break them down, wear them down. You've got a slightly subpar Mo Salah. Mo Salah is still not as sharp as he was maybe half of the season. Just, it is mm -hmm. what it is. It's just wear and tear. You know, it's a long season. It's it's a fun one because it's, yeah. it's the um, I'm talking we're talking right now and obviously we're doing mm. the vote for the football writers awards for player of the season both men's and women's game and there are you know if you, if you look at the whole season you go right who is the standout candidate who is the who is the best football player in this Premier League season and, and things like the the just off color mm. Mo Salah recent form. These are things that play into to your thinking. So. I, I voted. For, I voted for Kevin De Bruyne to be honest, and I Ooh. yeah, and I did. I did that because if you win a league title against, if you're going to win a league title, it looks like they might still just squeak yeah. it out over Liverpool without a primary centre forward. That is because your ball circulation has been absolutely supreme. Someone has been running that attack, and I, Bernardo Silva, I think, has been brilliant, of course, but the chief orchestrator in that is De Bruyne. And I just think that he has basically covered, he's covered a multitude Mo, of sins. For you Pep. know what, Moose, this is, what you've said there is, is bang on. And you have to think as well to do it without an out-and-out -out striker. And he's still getting through that work. Can you imagine the assist he's going to have when Haaland does actually roll into town? Oh my it's goodness. It's like oh fucking hell, bro. It's almost like Scary it's not hours. fair. It's like it's not, it's fair. not fair. It's not fair. And we're talking about, I think... Um, Harlan goes to any, any team in any, any league and he improves them. And if you're going to put De Bruyne behind him, then, then it's good night. You, you, have, to, you have to look at... Um, I watched Mo again yesterday and what you see with Mo Salah. And if, if Liverpool can't get that switch quick enough for him to control it and go at the one person, if they take their mm. time and let mm -hmm. Everton done it very well in the first half, 
The second half, they got a bit deeper in what they were trying to do, getting it down to him. And he was, he was getting down there. Then he cuts back and he lays it back into Thiago, whoever's waiting. But I find that that switch sometimes in Liverpool, by the time it gets to him, there's two people and you know he's going to faint down the right. He's going to go, and then he's going to cut back on the left. Then he's going to try and lay it yes. back to, he's going to lay it back to, to Trent or whoever's there. And I think that, you know, when he's in top form, that gets there quicker and he goes at that man quicker. And we've seen him score the goal where he's dribbled through those kind of two or three players and score. But mm -hmm. I've seen it twice. So at Watford and Man City, I saw it Tottenham before. We've seen it at him maybe once a season. But people are wise to the fact that once that, once that ball's going to go out there, we need to make sure that we get those players in front of Mo. Yes. And I think that that's what's happening with Mo. He's, he's, he's just like, the, the ball's not running for him when he's trying to run through them. And it just, bam, it breaks down and bam. That's the Mo Salah we're getting at the moment. Yeah. It's, it's unfortunate. It's kind of, he's kind of created his own problem. He's like, oh, okay. Like, you know, I've, I've been watching a lot of basketball recently. Uh, Kevin Durant for the Brooklyn Nets. And it's the same thing, right? Durant was unstoppable early in the season. And now they just double and triple mm. this guy. Like the moment he gets, and you know, there's a thing in basketball, the same in football, you get to your spot. There's, there's spots you like scoring from, running from. And every time Salah gets to his spot, mm. they are waiting. waiting for They're him. They're already set They're up. Ready. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 They're waiting. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. If you're busy like me and you're trying to catch your kids' games, it's important to have somewhere where you can go to find a good hotel. We're all over the place. Sometimes, you know, we're in Florida, we'll be in New York, we want to take the wife on a quick vacation and get away. Whether you're looking for a relaxing getaway or heading out of town to see the playoffs, Hotels.com app has a perfect hotel for every trip. Compare up to five hotels side by side so you can see prices, amenities, and star ratings without having to switch back and forth between options. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app today. Should we talk about out-and-out out number nine by the name of Divock Origi? Divock Origi. Yes. You know what's really cool is um, <laughs> the ovation that Divock was getting when he was just getting up to warm, just to warm up. It was just like, it's, it's almost like, you know what, when the Liverpool fans are like, yeah, man, this is kind of tight. This is fucking shit. They're like, Divock, man. Divock Origi, bro. <laughs> Bring in Divock he, he should stay. I know people say, nah, you've got to go and play in that. But why would you want to leave this Liverpool side, bro? Why would you want to leave this Liverpool? What's going on when you've got a role where you're not even playing for a, for a certain amount of minutes in the game? You're not playing tonight, but the fans are happy to see you for five or 10 minutes. They want to see you. And he comes on and he delivers. He broke the game it's open. What? He yes. broke the entire game open. And this is the thing, like, it wasn't like some, he wasn't scatty or erratic. He was smart. He was smart. Mm. Like the near post run. Yeah. So he knew from, he knew mm -hmm. exactly what was Salah having trouble yes. doing. He was having trouble breaking the double team at the near post. What does he do? He gets in the most horrible to mark pocket where you go into the six yard box and you come off your man. Mm. That is one of the hardest things to mark, right? Because you are like, most people are going the opposite direction at that yeah. point, right? Do you know what it's like? It's like, yep. you know, you're, going, you're commuting. There was one time mm. I was living down in uh, Surrey for a bit and I get the train opposite the commute. So you're past, all the packed trains are going in one direction. You're going the other direction. You're swimming <laughs> up <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Origi made the most counterintuitive mo uh, movement because he came out of the box mm -hmm. and that's a nightmare to mark. He combined with Salah and that was it. It is a, dif it's a that defensive. Was a, that was the game changer. Yeah. And then he's, even he's, his so goal, I think it's, even his awareness for the second, for his goal, yeah. right? The bounce pass that he gets and he's on it. And I'm like, he's crashing the yeah. box. It's class. Like he does two of the most classic pieces of centre forward play in one of the highest pressure games, like it was nothing. Yeah. Remarkable. Guys, he's been so efficient. It's almost like, you know, when somebody, he's learned how to be the perfect substitute. Yes. So it's mm -hmm. like he's watching, from, he's watching from the bench and seeing that, like the movements you're talking about, Moose, staying in the box. Because one of the things with Liverpool, as much as Jota, Mane or Salah, no one actually patrols and is in and around that, yes. um, that six-yard box and in that middle of that goal. Even Firmino. To a certain extent, we see him in there sometimes tapping it mm. and then tapping the ball in. But no one really patrols it in a way where you say, if I was on the Liverpool bench, I'd be watching, I'm saying, as, as soon as I get on, I'm working in there. Yes, yes. Mm -hmm. Because all of a sudden, Everton defenders have got to say, there's somebody moving in an area that, that there wasn't no one there before. Yes, they're not familiar. And so someone, who, who's, yeah, who's taking it? Who's, is he come to you? Is he, and then bam, you know what I mean? It's chaos. It's chaotic. They're already thinking, oh my God, what will you do now? What do you do now? But with him, knowing that you could sit on the bench, knowing that, yeah, man, 
Just chill, man. I'm going to relax. I'm going to relax for 60 minutes, 70 minutes. But because you're going onto a team, it's almost the same as if you're sitting there getting ready to go on when you know that you've got Kevin De Bruyne behind you. Yes. If mm-hmm. you go on, the opportunity and the chances that you are going to get and the chances, you're, you're, as a striker, you say, I only, I only need to work 10, 10, 15 minutes this weekend again. And he's done it like he scored, like, what, four or five times against them? It's mm-hmm. nine goals Big and goals. six Six, nine games and six goals against Everton Six now. goals. That is... Which I think is... He, he's amazing because obviously yeah. we talk about modern football, how your striker needs to do so much more than mm. just putting the ball in the net. But Origi's got such a precise role in this Liverpool team. Mm. Right? So it's very much... Saudi Mane is about link-up play. He plays in this 10 role and he does this and he does this. Firmino is all about pressing and leading the press. Jota now is the person that does headers. Salah's got mm. his job. And, and you know, Diaz is coming with his job. And, and mm. Divock's now got his job of, for 10 and 15 minutes, I want you to cause as much chaos in and around the six-yard box as possible. Mm. And it's... It's also strangely egoless. Right, yeah, yeah. Like you have to be it's a special. Your, you have to be a special yeah. player, Carl. I'm, 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 if I don't, I can't remember too many players who, who who have played that role for so long, and it's we don't know deep down if he's happy mm-hmm. doing it, but it doesn't seem like he's unhappy doing it. And like I say, why would you want to leave Liverpool? But I don't, I don't see too many people who would be ex- so accepting of that role because of what it entails. You might get on. But what Divock Origi does is that in very, very important and clutch games, they do call for him and he does answer the call. All the time. Mm-hmm. All the time. Every time. Every time. Every time. I'm not even sure. I mean, I was going to draw an I'm not even sure I've got a friend like that. Like, you know, like one, <laughs> you're like, <laughs> who has a friend who is basically a rescuer? It's is that one friend you see maybe once a year? Once every three years. <laughs> I'm trying to think. I've, I don't know any player that is happier doing it. And Do you know, I'm not even sure that Divock was in the country prior to coming on. <laughs> I think he... <laughs> they helicoptered him in. <laughs> oh, gosh. You, you, you do wonder, because the Premier League's going to five substitutes next season, might that, up, might that open up a role for Divock at Liverpool, to stay at Liverpool? Because Klopp, I mean, we know Klopp loves him, mm. but I saw the hug at the end of the game. Klopp mm. said he's the most amazing player and he needs to play more football. Yes. And, and I think that's going to be a fun one of, does Divock play more football somewhere else? Mm. Getting more minutes, perhaps being a starter, or is he going to go, wait, there's you know something, Carl, Carl, there's more Carl, of a chance that's a great question, you know? Yes, but the thing with, with that is, is Carl, is um, if, if he goes, Liverpool lose, as people think, yeah, because he's substituting this and that. But Liverpool fans, Klopp knows and the players know. Even the players, there's a certain time when you're on there and you think, I wish he would come on. We've got to bring him on at some stage. <laughs> there's a certain... I think that if, if Liverpool got rid of Divock Origi now, they get rid of, a, 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 I think, a very vital component in, in when it's not quite working for Firmino, it's not quite working for Mane, it's not quite working for Salah, it's not happening for Jota. Especially like that first half. If they get... If they get second halves like that first half, you need Divock Origi. Like whatever you say about him, yeah. um, he could go elsewhere and play. Liverpool and the way Liverpool are functioning right now is vital to what they're doing. And, and I think that he, he almost like he can feel it. He's sensing it. He's cu- we're coming into Divock Origi territory at this stage of the season. <laughs> Do you know what actually it's, it's Divock time. It's Divock time. Do you want to say this? Because I, I know <laughs> we, we have to bounce and get onto the Arsenal United, but I want to get on this very quickly on, on Origi. Imagine how good he must be in training to trust at this stage of a game. This is the thing. Mm. He, he must, must be turning well. on he all the time. Swagger. Yeah, because Klopp, Klopp doesn't do passengers. We know this about him. We know he rotates well. So the fact that Origi is maintaining a level, and it's sad because you see someone like Deli Ali, for example, who is a, mm. you, by contrast, yeah. Deli Ali, who is the kind of player, he should be deciding games of this, of this nature. He has the technique, he has the quality. But I think with him, unfortunately, it's just like there's such a long b- way back for him in terms of, I mean, I don't hesitate to say sort of psychologically, but I mean, it is, I think his challenges are not, they're mm. not technical. We know his technique is what it is, but there's the, the sort of the psychological challenges of finding your place, not only within mm. Everton, but within, you know, the Premier League. And does he even remember how to be that great again? I, I, I worry mm. and I wonder about it, to be honest. So Arsenal, Manchester United. One sec, before you move on, a quick shout out to, um, to Man City, you put five 
in against Watford because, again, it's not the same, though, with, with Man City against Watford because Watford kind of had a little bit... The left-back, Kamara, looks really good, but it was very routine. Mm-hmm. It's very routine. It's like whatever and done to Liverpool was a lot tougher. Watford was, was routine. 14 straight games they've won against Watford. It's, yeah. It was interesting to see Gabriel Jesus playing like a proper... Oh nine. gosh, he was yep. awesome. That was the thing, wasn't was it, Carl? Awesome. Like seeing him actually yeah, be like, awesome. okay, this is the player that that Manchester City signed and has been, let's be honest, kind of repressed because of... He came, he popped up everywhere, Moose. He was everywhere. This was the man that was originally envisioned to be Sergio Aguero's yeah. successor, right? You, you, like mm. this was, that was the plan. This was it, right? I mean, he saw it in this game. Like I know some will say it was only Watford. No, like he earned the penalty and scored it. Mm. and he got the assist. Like, that is a complete centre-forward performance. Complete performance. And pe- Yeah, but people will say, yes, yeah, Watford, and they give him time and space. That's how Jesus plays. That's how he plays. He's everywhere. Yeah. And anywhere he pops up, he knows exactly what he's doing in that particular uh, part of the pitch. You know, it, it, elite. Elite, another elite player. Elite player. Clutch as well. A true. You know, another one man. that you think to yourself, yeah, he's, he's, he's somebody as well, just quickly on him, who's... um who's spent a lot of time on Manchester City's bench and is still at this stage coming on in games like that. And let's face it, it could have been a lot worse if Watford had anything more about them and still came with everything that he's got in his locker. Came with everything. And when mm. a player like him comes with everything they've got in locker, Watford's got no chance. They've no. got no chance because he's coming and whatever Pep does and whatever Klopp does to keep these players going and keep, them, keep their minds right to come on and do the job for them, they're doing it, man. And they've got to get a lot of credit for it. How ironic he finally becomes... I don't know. I yeah. don't know if man... Yeah, go on. Go on it's Liz. ironic he finally becomes the nine that Manchester City need just when they're about to sign that guy. And, and, yeah. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. <sighs> this is the thing about this Premier League. This is the thing about... It's obviously, you know, this weekend we've seen Bayern Munich win the Bundesliga 10 times in a row. Mm. And there were a lot of people going, oh, the Bundesliga is a rubbish league. You know, what, where's all the talent? And you're going... It's in the Premier League. It's, it's, it's in the league you think is so brilliant. You, you bear in mind, so Jurgen Klopp said, we've got Naby Keita and we've got Thiago, two of the best midfielders of the Bundesliga, right? Thomas Tuchel is now the Chelsea manager. If, if you look at Kai Havertz is playing false nine for Chelsea, you, you think about the last five years of the Bundesliga, every, nearly every good player and every great talent in that last five years, they're, in and around the Premier League. They're either in the Premier League now or they're being linked to the Premier League. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like and Firmino. Firmino. It bro. creates Firmino this. Well. Yeah. Firmino is so influential in the Premier League and one of the most influential yeah. forwards we've seen in the last five years. Yeah, has redefined, right? has redefined that position in true, many man. ways. Yeah. People have got to stop saying that about the, the, the Bundesliga because the, uh, the Premier League's just just taking them. They won't stop saying it though. They just won't. I mean, come on. We, yeah. we, it's a football podcast. We know they're not going to stop saying it. But yeah, on Arsenal, Manchester United, I want to get onto that. I don't, well, I don't want to, but I think we should. I want to. But, no, 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 you two should. Ugh. You two should. I'm here for <laughs> it. Just, <laughs> uh, okay, so let's get into it. So Arsenal three, Manchester United one at the Emirates. Mm. The thing I'll say about this, first of all, headline is, this is an outstanding win for Arsenal, one they very much needed to put their top four hopes back on track. What I'll say about this is, at no point did anybody feel in control of this game. Not the players, nope. not Manchester United, mm. not Arsenal, not the referee, <laughs> not the crowd. At no point did anybody take responsibility, actually. <laughs> no one took responsibility. Actually, no, no. with the exception of Bukayo Saka, Yes. Bless him, bless Bukayo, because Bukayo came correct. Mohamed El Neni, bro. Yeah, El Neni, he's been El on. Neni. He's been on one the last. He's yeah, quite. He's been on one recently. Affecting games. Another week player. In, week out. See, see nice we're talking about players who come on and do the job for their manager with unbelievable professionalism. Um, all the three players as well. We were speaking about. It seems like their managers, the teams, they absolutely adore them. Mm. But Mohamed El Neni. You know, somebody, again, maybe leaving at the, at the end of the season. You look at that performance and the one against Chelsea and you mm. can only think to yourself, if, if Arsenal are trying to build a team to challenge and be in top four and stay in there, you need that backup player. That player has to stay. Because for him to come in in those two games, arguably two of the biggest games in Arsenal's calendar, um, you know, with whatever Man United are playing like at the moment and Chelsea, those are massive games at any stage of the calendar for Arsenal. And the, him to come in, the last time he played was December the 2nd, the last time he started a game. 
for him to come in and play at that level, again, you're talking about what Divock might be like in training and stuff like that. What he must be like is, you have to say, hats off to him. You know, I might have to give him flowers on this episode. Oh, definitely. This man came from, again. he came through AFCON and World Cup qualifiers. This man was battle ready. This is the thing. He wasn't playing regularly for Arsenal, but he was in the cauldron for a, lo for a long time. And so in, in many ways, that experience, that Egypt experience, the kind of pressure you have to absorb, mm -hmm. like playing in the Egypt midfield, it's actually mm -hmm. perfect training for this kind of intensity, if you think about it. You know something, Moose? You know what I was going to say about the Man United game, and it's not being disrespectful, because I think that mm. I've got the most, most amount of respect for Manchester United because playing against them at a time when they were at the height of their powers was not very pleasant. So to see them how they are now, mm. um, there's a sadness to it. And playing against Palace, Brighton and, and, and Southampton, I was more nervous about those three teams mm. because of the way those three coaches would set themselves up to make it very difficult for Arsenal to beat them. And that, was, that came to pass than I was about Man United. Because when you watch Man United yes. against Norwich, when he put out all the guns and all the offensiveness and Norwich took them apart two mm -hmm. passes, sometimes three passes, and they're on the edge of their box. And we're talking about like the pookies of this word, Dows and that. We're talking about a, a team like Norwich literally passing through them at will. So I'm thinking we are so much more organized than Man United. The only way we're going to lose this game is through naivety yes. and inexperience. Yes, yes. That's how I felt going into the Man United game. Carl, can I say something that really worries me about United at the moment? I'm noticing it's just online, of course, but I see quite a lot of it. Our midfield player and our coordination attack has so disintegrated that United fans, and actually some pundits as well, are getting excited by the idea of players who run around with tactical and discipline, but just kind of kick out a bit. Like that's mm. how much it's disintegrated to the point where like, oh, that person shows they care. That person's making us like, no, that's not. Oh, was that like Hannibal? Was that like Hannibal against just, Liverpool, I mean, that was, Gary it was, it was It was mentioned in relation to him, but just some other players as well. And I was like, mm. have we really disintegrated to the point where, well, the answer is yes, we have, I think, that we are cheering on just conspicuous but ineffective toil. Is that, mm -hmm. is that what this has come to? Well, it has to be allied to. with something. It has to be... Mm -hmm. That, you know, the, the Bruce Lee quote from it, Enter the Dragon. You need emotional content, not anger. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know uh, what, you seeing Bruno, seeing Bruno, Carl, just lashing out at people, seeing lash out at Trent really wildly. And that, ta and, and the challenges at, um, at, in the Arsenal game, I can't remember who it was, it was against. It's been a long, it's been a simmering thing with, with, with Fernandez. Tavares. Tavares. Yeah. And you look at it and you think to yourself, that, that, that's not what Man United need from you, my friend. They need a lot more than you going around trying to top people. You know, he's lucky to not get sent off. But like, I think that that's what it's come down to. And you know, this is why I was worried for Arsenal because like against Chelsea, I think that we are definitely at our most vulnerable when we've just scored. Yeah, it's almost like, it's, it's funny because I thought it's actually- It's really strange. Cristiano Ronaldo actually had really quite a good game, I thought. I thought he was um, very, mm. very, very effective. And mm -hmm. it was almost like Arsenal didn't feel they deserved it. You know, like, when, mm. you know, it was, I've used this analogy many times, but the 2006 World Cup final, when France go a goal up with that Penenka by Zidane, it's so weird mm. because France don't own it. At no point after going a goal up do they own that World Cup final. It's the, it's the weirdest mm. performance. It's like, oh my God, we're one <laughs> up. What now? We might actually win this thing again. What, yeah. And, and Arsenal had the similar energy. They went, this, they went this goal up and it was like, okay, now the procession begins. You've scored four goals against Chelsea in the midweek and now you're going to roll on. And when I saw them talking mm. about making Martin Odegaard the captain, I was like, Oh, and I wasn't, I'm not criticizing him, by the way. I, I'm like, it mm -hmm. reminded me, my God, this team is so young. This yeah. is why it's hard for mm -hmm. them. And I'm not, so, this is a thing. It's why it's hard for Arsenal to just be like, to clamp a game down and be like, because they just don't have hundreds of games of game management behind them. Because if you have a Casemiro mm -hmm. or a Modric in mm -hmm. their mid 30s, mm -hmm. who's just like, okay, this is what we do. Let's just take this thing out of it. This game is a lot calmer. Mm -hmm. And once they get that yes. kind of profile of player, once they get, and it, it only is like one or two signings, if they get that yeah. profile of player in the door, it's going to change everything because yeah. there's going to be that 20 minute period where they just control tempo. And that's going to be the difference. Because you look at United, you, you, you look at United, Ronaldo's, and this is why for me, when, when you're doing the punditry and when you're doing, when you're kind of talking about a team and you're analyzing them, Ronaldo's offside wasn't, wasn't a blatant offside. He's healed. We're talking about fractions of his heel. So if we're talking about the margins, you know what I mean? Then the penalty miss. You know, so with everything what we're saying about United and the lack of midfield cohesion, whatever it is, they still 
still create enough chances to, to win the game. And this is why with Arsenal, it worries me simply because, like you rightly said, Moose, it's almost like we're afraid mm. to, to get hold of the game or we can't get hold of the game and, and pull them onto us and pass through them and just kind of take some sting out of the game. Because, you know, United, with their chances, great save again from Aaron Ramsdale, from Dallow, I think it was. Ronaldo's fractionally offside goal. Fernandez his penalty miss. What, what I would say to Arsenal fans is, is that you've still got to be patient and realise we're dealing with a team, mm. a young team. And I was speaking to Ryan, like Ryan was saying about, when, listen, listen to Mikel, I think it was Mikel talking about how, you know what, I just love this team. It's like you've got your little kid, you're telling him stuff and you're saying, don't do that. You're going to hurt yourself if you do that. And they said, yeah, okay, yeah, I get it. And then they kind of still do it because they're young and they're naive mm. to stuff. So you have to get through it to learn it. Can I be you cheeky? Have to, you have to learn. You have yeah. to learn how to win. I exactly. really like how Arteta uses it. So Arteta, he wants to use the word roller coaster, but mm -hmm. it always sounds as rolling coaster, <laughs> which I quite enjoy because the rolling implies it's a little bit more circuitous and it takes you know you have to do a couple more loops for it all to click. Yes, yes. And he was he was in a good mood. He was in a good mood after that victory. I was at Emirates. He had a smiley kind of like, he listen, did. man, I know he messes up sometimes, but he's my son, man. I love him. <laughs> yes. Can I say I'm a bit? Yes, that was felt. the meaning. That's how it felt. Yeah, that's the vibe. That's the vibe. <laughs> <laughs> the energy. What was it? He said, everything is energy. Everything is energy. It's just amazing. It's a t-shirt, man. We've got to do it. Ryan said he wants to do a t-shirt. We've got to do everything is energy. <laughs> so I like, I, Go on, Moose. So yeah, I, I want to just throw a hot take in there because we've talked about the Bundesliga and everything like that. Um, and I think that Arsenal need to find their David Alaba. Uh, so they should actually yeah. just be really cheeky and go go for someone at Bayern who's won several games several leagues in a row. They should be like really cheeky and like talk to someone like Leon Goretzka because you don't know until you ask. You mm. don't know until you ask. And this, I'm just throwing that hot take out there because I want them to Gosh. think. <laughs> yes, I'm, I'm throwing that. <laughs> but Musa, you say that and we laugh, but like it takes that. You need. That's, to I'm, I'm only half joking vision. because I want them to get a player who is basically need like, it. okay, now we manage the game for 20 minutes. Now we just take this thing out. Can you imagine work. Arsenal? Yeah. Can you imagine Arsenal with a, a Eddie Nketiah? So unlucky, Eddie. He's, he's yeah. scored two goals against Chelsea. He had a great chance in that game where he, he just, he just kind of like, in that moment, he, his composure left him because mm. he hit it so high. And it was one of those where you need to just calm down and slot it down the side of De Gea because De Gea is in no man's land. Yeah. And it's the, with Eddie and Ketia playing like he is, Saka and Smith Rowe and, and Erdogan, with that experienced player in there, we're, honestly, it's, it's, it's not much. Exactly. You see what I'm saying? Much. It's not much. They need to find that profile of player who is like looking for a new challenge, basically like a slightly younger, obviously like a younger, so like a racketitch player. They just need someone who's been in and around multiple successes. And that player is somewhere mm. in Europe and probably primarily a midfielder, I would say at this point, because I think yeah. the defense is actually yeah. moving in the right, in the right direction. <clears throat> Does that make sense, Carl? So I think they yeah, need that yeah, kind yeah. of- It's yeah, the, yeah. Uh, it's the German Dutch coaching term called pressing variance. And, and Arteta's talked about it with, with Martinelli about how basically you have to insert gears into his game. Because when you are when you're 18, 19, no matter whatever you want to do, you want to go everywhere all at once in all directions and, and everything has to be done that th today or tomorrow mm. or, or this week. And you get to your 20s and you understand, actually, no, your to-do list doesn't always need to be complete. And sometimes you do everything all at once. The reward for doing your work well isn't less work. It's more work. Mm. And you get, you get this with Arsenal. Like the reward for scoring a goal early in a Premier League game isn't you get to coast for 80 minutes. It's yes. you probably need to like, score another goal because they're going to come at you even harder. And because you're young, you need to figure it out. You need that 27, 28 year old person who's had two kids and goes, ah, you know what? Like, you can calm down at 3.15. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> So, Carl, we have to talk about um, Ten Hag, man. Eric Ten Hag. And this guy, again, is going into a situation where you can't turn down Manchester United. This is the vibe I'm getting from it. Because if you are going to turn down Man United in any time in their history, it's probably now. And he's not done that. This is big for, for Eric Ten Hag, for Manchester United, for the Premier League in general. I mean, you talk again about the amount of talent we've got in the Premier League. I think Ten Hag is probably 
top 10, top 15 tactical mm. minds. You think about just how many incredibly smart managers are in the Premier League. Now. You're going to add Ten Hag to that as well. He's going to have his own interpretation of how to play possession-based football. He's going to have his own version of what Johan Cruyff said as well. But it's not a slam dunk because Manchester United, I don't think you can say anything is a slam dunk right now. There have been so many people that have come through, that have gone through that football club now that we have thought were geniuses or incredibly talented people that have just been overwhelmed by chaos and dysfunction. I always come back to that. I think, is it Van Halen? The, the band that, you know, every time yeah, they go Van on Halen, tour, man. the band when they go on tour, they say they want a bowl of M&Ms, but they want the brown ones removed. Mm. And I was like, oh, you're, 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 you're massive divas. And they say, no, we want the brown ones removed because if we go to, a, if you go and play a gig and we see a bowl with brown M&Ms in there, that means the person hasn't read the contract. And Ten Hag is doing his own version of the brown M&Ms with this contract at Manchester United. And I think he, whatever he does, he's going to want to be like, you all have to be pulling in the same direction. I don't, right. I know you think, you know, I know you are Manchester United, but if you want to be in the position Manchester United want to be, you need to behave like that every single day. And that means no more cutting corners. That means no more. I mean, I think it's quite interesting that Manchester United is also talking about getting Old Trafford renovated, where, you know, Old Trafford as a football state isn't, what it used to be. Mm. The Wi-Fi there is pretty bad. The paint is chipped. Uh, something that, that sticks in my memory last season was when Edison Cavani signed his new contract. He was, the photographs of him on the, signing the contract at the table, the table was chipped. Oh my goodness. The paint is gone. Yeah, yeah. It's like oh, just a little bit dull and there's little scuff oh marks. Yeah. And you're going, it's those tiny things that separate Manchester United from capital letters written in gold, Premier League trophy, Manchester United, and what all the, you know, the clubs that are above them in the table are doing, right? It's, it's a difficult time for, for Manchester United fans, but you hope that if they properly support Ten Hag, he can do something over the next two or three years that could completely turn the Premier League table on its head again. Yeah, that's, Carl, you, you've just laid it out so well, and I feel like, if there's anything, you know, because obviously there are question marks over the appointment. There are, there will always, there will be because he's course, not managed in the Premier League. Always. And so there's all those other challenges coming in, but you know, doesn't, it won't stop him being brilliant. I suppose this is the thing, isn't it? The fact that if there's any consolation for United fans, it's that Rangnick has set out exactly what's wrong with the club. We've seen the full disrepair and it feels like Ten Hag kind of has a mandate to come in and put those paint jobs on the table and take care of the small details and do all that stuff to kind of, not micromanage, I'm not saying that, but has the kind of, the authority, the carte blanche to come in and really just build from the ground up. And we've talked so much about patience at United, but I think this is, I would say almost like just to treat the next year as just play football that is recognisably United. Mm. It doesn't even necessarily matter about you know, qualification so much at the end of the next year. It's really just play football that's recognisably united at, the, at this point um, and then go from I mean, there. So I was actually saying, I don't think it's a bad thing if if United didn't play any European football what now I agree. Ten Hag I agree. comes in. You know, because that's the kind of total reset they, they probably need, mm. you know. You know, but people talk about Man United not being in Europe. Oh, Man United too big. They should be in Europe. Of course they should be. But Man United are going through a period in their history where Something needs to stop mm -hmm. and change. You have to arrest the development at the minute because Man United are still, you know what I mean? They're just, they're going nowhere very, very quickly. And now they've got another manager. Whereas, you know, you've got the same people upstairs, the same people making decisions upstairs, but now they've just gone for the next manager, where, no, no matter if he's shiny or he's not shiny. We've seen them go for an unbelievable experience, you know, Van Gaal with Mourinho, with everything. They've gone to, they went Moyes, they've gone, with their own in 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 Oleksandr mm -hmm. and Solskjaer, you know what I mean? They, and now they've gone interim with like with Ralph Ranić. They, they in the, since Alex Ferguson, they've done everything. So why not just kind of get a reset and let this man try and do his stuff? Because you know what I mean. He's meant to be a very very good coach. Let him do it. And yeah. then I know that they got rid of two scouts. Don't know if that's something that he's said. Well, get rid of them and then did it up because I'm going to bring this or that. But you don't know what's going on. 
But what you're hoping is that they give this guy the kind of time to let him do something. Man United is not a five-minute job, especially in this no. moment. So don't worry about Europe. Don't worry about, oh, Man United top four. With Man United's squad, what they've got, with the right manager organising them, there's no way Man United should not be in that top four. They're too good. You've even got, you've got 37-year-old Ronaldo who's still scoring goals as if he's 28. You know what I mean? Mm. That's more than enough. The goals, the, the amount of goals that Cristiano's got, if he had them, the team behind him just doing their jobs and, you know, doing the midfielders, whether they're holders, whether they're number 10s, whatever, if they just done it in a structure and a, a system, Man United would be in the top four at a canter. But whatever yeah. happened, for whatever reason, it's not happening. So what's got to happen now is, is that everything's got to be back down to ground zero. Ten Hag comes in and without European football, if that's what it's going to be, the man just does his thing. Yeah. Just do your thing. Amen to that. Very quickly, Amen since we're talking that, about right. resets, another quick, <clears throat> just a quick chat uh, for a team that's had a huge reset in the couple, last couple of games, Burnley. So now Burnley mm. with two wins wow. in two, three goals scored, none conceded, wins over Southampton and Wolves. That is a huge surge for them. Um, wow. So just a shout out for them. Wow. Should have covered that in they, more depth, but obviously we're like, news. but yeah, that, yeah. that's um, what Burnley are doing is frankly incredible. But, yeah. People thought they were gone. People yeah. thought they were gone, but there's life in the old Burnley oh, dog, yeah. Absolutely, there's life in it. Oh, such a clutch pickup, Dave. I was worried we'd bring back the same team. I meant those blackout motorized shades. Blinds.com made it crazy affordable to replace our old blinds. Hard to install? No, it's easy. I installed these and then got some for my mom, too. She talked to a design consultant for free and scheduled a professional measure and install. Hall of Fame son. They're the number one online retailer of custom window coverings in the world. Blinds.com is the GOAT. The GOAT. Go to Blinds.com for 40% off site-wide. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Quick shout for WSL. I was fortunate enough. What a beautiful day I had yesterday. Watched the Merseyside derby then um, left and then went and watched um, Arsenal play Everton. Um, very, very good performance. Very professional performance from Arsenal. And they needed, to, they needed to win it. You know, Chelsea doing their stuff as well. So, you know, it was a good game. I thought it was a very good game. I thought, you know, watching Arsenal, I'm feeling very sorry for Steena at the minute because she's doing a lot of work up there. She's very good link-up play. I don't think she's getting as many opportunities as she should. And she scored a goal yesterday, which was fa was fantastic finish. And she, it was an offside. It was an offside. Because like even this goal, what we did score, uh, Caitlin Ford scored, the ball from Leah was absolutely magnificent. And in respects of the offside, for the linesman to give that, the assistant to give that and, and, and give Steena's offside. And I watched it again this morning. And I thought to myself, from a forwards point of view, that's so fucking frustrating. Because you're, you're hardly getting a lot from your team. You're doing a lot of work. She got taken off again yesterday. She scores a perfectly good goal and it's kind of taken away from her simply because I really felt for her yesterday. Chelsea ain't losing again, though. No. Moose, Chelsea ain't losing again. They're not losing. They're going to do it. Because even with 10 players, they were on the charge. They, they, they beat them, for me, at a canter. They're going to grind it out, aren't they? They're going to grind it out. Yeah, they are going to. Emma's got the look in her eye as well. Segway, just talking another team that ground it out uh, to finish. Um, mm -hmm. Just a quick shout for Real Betis winning the Copa del Rey late, late, late the other night yes. um, against Valencia. Yes. So Valencia had last won it in 2019. Yeah. Betis hadn't won, I think, since 05. And Betis are like, they were in a position of being, they played some really beautiful football the last few seasons, Betis. And it was one of those mm -hmm. ones where, a bit like Poch's Spurs, where you're like, if you don't win something, people won't give you credit for the beauty of what you created on the field. And I'm just so happy that mm. they managed to close it out. Mm -hmm. Fourth trophy in their history, man. Amazing. Delightful. I, I, sent, I sent Hector a message. Oh, really? Oh, yeah, Hector's, because he got the assist yeah, in the he opener. Looked, it was, he was so happy. It was beautiful. Listen, yeah. that, that was like old school. You know when you write what vintage, I know he's young still, but like it was like vintage Bellerine. Like that was absolute peak. And it was, <laughs> I love that he combined with uh, Borja mm. Iglesias for the goal because he's, you know, 
brilliant footwork, right. uh, centre forward, brilliant footwork. Mm. Got named, I think, the tournament MVP after the after the game. And the winning penalty was scored by Miranda. And Miranda had been at the game when they last won. He was at the last Copa Aero final as a kid. Wow. So like years later, he turns up and like scores the winning penalty. A really, really good game this. It was uh, one all um, after just half an hour. Hugo Dura got the equaliser for Valencia. And thereafter, just like so much intensity. Like, these, these are two teams that you look at like, La Liga and it's had a tough, you know, it's had a tough couple of years restructuring. But these are two teams who've popped up every now and again and provided the kind of performances that keep the rest of the league honest. Mm-hmm. Like, so, that you know, they're less heralded teams better than Valencia, but very often when you watch La Liga and there's a team that, like, a top team that goes on and does something big in Europe, there will be an absolute chasing by Betis or Valencia a few weeks earlier. Mm-hmm. Like, so they're, they're one of those teams that, they're those teams that really, really make the league um, a great one. And, yeah, that's shout out to Hector. He deserves some flowers, I think. Yeah. Well, you're, 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 no, you're, the, you're the flower provider. Well, so to be honest, formally give them. Joaquin. Joaquin. Is, how old's Joaquin yeah. now? 40. 40. 40. Listen. And he won the last cup of the array as well. Listen, I wasn't, wow. running, I wasn't running for the bus at 40, and this guy is running. <laughs> <laughs> cutting up the league. Oh, my God. You know something? Just quickly, we're going to cover the second, second leg of the, um, the Women's Champions League as well. So I'm, I'm quite looking forward to that game. I'll speak to you guys soon. Thank you so much, man. It's a pleasure. Always a joy. What a pleasure. Always a joy. Guys, I'll speak to you soon. See you soon for sure. See you soon. God bless, man. God bless. Thank you very much, Musa Kwanga. Thank you very much, Carl Anker. Thank you very much for listening. Don't forget Stadio coming later in the week. We'll be back next week. What an emotional, great week I've had. It's been fantastic. I'm glad you've been able to, to share it with me. But we'll speak again next week when I'll be less emotional. Unless, of course, Arsenal lose. But hey, let's hope they don't. I'll see you next week anyway.